So I know that moment's coming like all morning, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my turn. It's, uh, so I'm just a little bit amped up right now. Great, great, great to see you. We are starting this new series called Jesus Is Today. And uh, if you were here last week, I shared, we had these little posters that say Jesus Is, but last week it said Jesus Is Coming Sunday. And um, so it's a good thing you're here, just in case that, that was, was happening today. Um, I, I don't believe it's any accident that you're here. I think the fact that you're here is just a picture that God is pursuing you, uh, pursuing a relationship with you. The Bible says that no one sees God on their own. So the fact that you woke up and decided, hey, you know, I'm going to go to church today is just a picture that the Spirit is at work in your life. And I'm excited to see what that looks like as we move forward. Um, when I think about this phrase, Jesus is, I, I look back at my life and I think I, in my life, have filled that blank in with a lot of different things. Some, some cultural answers and some religious answers and some kind of a, a mix of things that, that I maybe think about myself or I've found, come to think about God. I've, I've filled that blank in with some things that are correct and some things that aren't very correct. I've, I've filled that blank in with Jesus is mad at me. Or maybe not mad, but Jesus is certainly disappointed in me. I filled it in with Jesus is, is watching me, looking at me like in like a bad way, that Jesus um, is, is fed up with me, that Jesus is tired of me at times. Um, and today we're going to start this series really from now till Easter, where we're going we're gonna to kind of push past our cultural and religious ways that we fill that in, and maybe even the ways that, that we've told ourselves we should fill that line in and actually look at what the Bible says, how we should fill that line in, what, what words go there. Um, discovering who Jesus is really is the most important work we could ever do, the most important thing we could ever do. And as I, as I looked about at that slide this morning, I just realized there's two ways to, there's two ways to read that. So you can say discovering who Jesus is really, that's kind of a uh, put together, discovering who Jesus is really is the most important thing you could ever do. And when I think that, that word really is important because, like I said, we fill it in with lots of things and culture fills it in with lots of things. And actually, as we started this church, we started about 20 years ago or so in a living room. A group of us got together and just said, what's the Bible say uh, church is supposed to be? Really, what's the Bible say Jesus is? And, and let's be at the core of who we are, let's tell our friends and the world, let's be a church that tells our friends and the world who Jesus really is. So that's what we've been trying to do. And, and then there's a way to read it. Discovering who Jesus is really is the most important thing we can do. It really is. So as we, as we press in, uh, I'm, I'm cognizant that, um, that some, of the, some of the ways we're going to fill this blank in some of the ways as we walk through, we're going to walk through the book of John. Some of the ways we fill this blank in is going to be brand new for some of you. Some of you that are, are in this room or just have never heard some of the things that we're going to talk about. And uh, man, I'm glad you're here. And my hope for you is, is that you would discover a Jesus that's irresistible. The Jesus of the Bible is irresistible. That you would be enamored with him. That, that, that you would grow in your love and your trust for him so that, 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 that you love and trust him more than anything in your life. That's my hope for you. And there's some of you that have been around maybe for a little while, kind of dipping your toe in and trying to figure out who Jesus is, and you've been asking and getting some questions answered, and, and my hope for you is kind of the same thing. Not kind of the same thing, it's the exact same thing. That, that you would discover a Jesus that's irresistible, 
that you would be enamored with him and that, that you would be moved to love and trust him more than anything or anyone else in your life. And there's people here that have, have maybe heard all, if, if not maybe most, at least, of these things that we're going to talk about. And maybe, they've, maybe you have a little shelf in your life. You're like, oh, yeah, Jesus is this, and Jesus is that, and Jesus is that. And as we, as we start unveiling some of these things, it's gonna, you're, you're going to have a tendency to go, oh, yeah, I know what shelf that thing goes on, and I hope you just don't. I hope, I hope that you take it down and that you unwrap it a little bit, that you don't just shove it on this intellectual shelf that you've, that you've had it on for the last 20 years and that you would just begin to discover this Jesus that's irresistible you'd be enamored with him and that you'd be moved more and more to love and trust him. Today, we're going to start, John starts his gospel. He just jumps right in the deep end. And so here is this, this kind of complicated statement for today about who Jesus is. It's going to be longer than just this little one line that we have. Here it is. Jesus is the dynamic, creative, governing force of the universe that loves us so much he became a man so we could know him. And he's near to us. We, let's, we just, let's say that all together and let's say it like we're not in church. We're just going to say it like, you know, we're excited to actually press into what this means. Ready? One, two, three, go. Jesus is the dynamic, creative, that loves us so much. You guys are great. Thank you very much. I, I, I've simplified it a little bit for the sake of simplicity, and, and made it a little action point. So here it is. Let's live like Jesus is powerful, personal, and present. That, that's that big statement kind of made a little bit smaller. That's, that's what I believe that we're going to talk about today, and uh, that's my hope, is that as we all leave, that we would live like Jesus is powerful, this dynamic, creative, governing power of the universe. He's personal. That loves us so much he became us. And he's present, that he's, that he's near to us. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to open up God's word together. Would you bow your heads and we can pray together? Jesus, as we, as we sang your name and we sang your glory and your worthiness, I ask that, that you would peel back some cultural and some religious ways that we've answered that Jesus is question, some ways that maybe out of guilt and shame and religiosity we've answered that question, out of some sort of control that we've answered that question, some sort of cultural thing that we've answered that question, and help us press into what you want for us. We love you and we're thankful for you. Amen. So we're going to open up to John chapter 1. Actually, this rest of this series, we're just going to walk through the book of John, uh, answering these questions about who Jesus is. And so if you have your Bible, open it up to John chapter 1. It's about this far in, somewhere in the 730s. If you don't have a Bible, grab one that's right around you. I grabbed one. I have a brand new one from last week that I, my old one had too much uh, wing sauce on it and coffee, so I got a new one for this coming year. And if that's you... Uh, or if you just don't have one, just put your name in the one that you have and, and bring it home with you. And when you come back, bring it. And, and this can be your consistent Bible. I encourage you, especially during this series, to have a consistent Bible. Um, John is one of the f four 
books of the Bible that tells the story of the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in that order, starting in the New Testament. Matthew is, is written with a Jewish audience in mind. Um, it's actually perfectly placed between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, Matthew, one of, one of uh, his favorite statements is, as it was written, and one of the goals for Matthew was, I want people to understand that the, that the Jesus of the New Testament uh, is the fulfillment of the promises that God made in the Old Testament. That's Matthew. Mark, it's my, it's my favorite. Um, it's, it's the shortest. It's very action-packed. It's written with a Roman audience in mind. Um, just short attention spans. This happened, and then Jesus did this, and Jesus did this, and Jesus did this. Um, Luke is written by a historian, really with a Greek minds, mindset, this idea of answering philosophical questions and with intellectual answers. There's large passages of Jesus' teaching so that uh, someone that's trying to figure out who truth is, what does Jesus say about this, would kind of understand that. And then John is, is this unique gospel. John, we know that, that it's written by John, not because in the book he says, hey, my name is John. Actually, he refers to himself in the book of John with this peculiar phrase, uh, the one who Jesus loved, which is it's pretty gutsy to, you know, to say, hey, you know what? Here's who, here's who wrote this, or here's who he talked to. But it also gives us a glimpse into what John is all about. John, John's writing about his best friend. And he wants us to know his best friend. It's the most intimate, relational story of the life of Jesus that we have. And he, tell, he tells, tells us at the end of John why he wrote, and, and this gives us a little clue about this. It says this in John 20. These are written, the, all the things he wrote in the first 19 chapters are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by living or believing, you may have life in his name. John wants to introduce us to his best friend so that we could have life like John has life in Jesus. And so I'm going to read uh, the first 14 verses here of John chapter 1. If you would uh, just follow along. John jumps, like I said, right into the deep end. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him yet. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or a human decision or husband born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And we're going to focus today on, um, on that last verse. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Um, this, this verse is so central. The, the contents of this verse are so important. And it's, it's, it's such a compact way to say these really, really important things that I want us all to memorize this verse. And so... Uh, 
they were supposed to pass these out when you came in, but I forgot to tell anybody about that, and I was getting ready for baptism. So hopefully you got a card. If you didn't get a card, uh, will you raise your hand? We have people coming. I know there was people passing cards out. Probably most of you might need a card. So we're going to take some, a little bit of time to write out this verse. So grab a pen that's right around you. Um, they'll pass out a card to you. And as they do, here's what mine kind of looks like right here. Not this one, but my actual one. This is a blank. So on, the, on this top left, it says Jesus is powerful, personal, and present. I know you can't read that. But usually when, I, when I'll do scripture memory, I'll just have the, the topic or the title right there so that as I'm, as I'm looking at, at a bunch of, like my, I can look at like a deck of cards. I can look, oh, that's the title. Here's what that verse is. So just write maybe on that, in that top right corner, Jesus is powerful, personal, and present. And to make it a little easier, here's, here's that verse typed out for you so you don't have to read my writing. So I'm going to take some time to fill out to write mine, and you do that same thing for you. Ready, go. working on that just just uh you can keep working finish up um and I, so i just encourage you to take that card um I, I usually put it in my dashboard in front of my speedometer uh which maybe is not the best place to put it and now that i think about it um it alleviates lots of guilt in my life because i don't speed when i or at least i don't know when i'm speeding so just take some time uh every day the great thing about scripture memory if you keep something with you or, or maybe take a picture of it and have leave it on your phone so you can have it um you don't have to take any extra time out of your day. You can, when you're standing in line or when you're sitting at a red light, you can just reflect on God's words. So uh, we're going to unpack this, this verse, this pretty powerful verse to answer the question who Jesus is. So John starts, he actually starts John chapter 1, verse 1, and then in verse 14 with this concept of word. In the beginning was the word, and then this one says, the word became flesh. That, that word, word, is this Greek word logos, this, this Greek word logos is, is, is this idea of the dynamic, creative, governing force of the universe. This impersonal, governing force of the universe. That, uh, does that make you think of anything? It makes me think of this guy when I think about that. Like, that, like that's almost the concept. That, like, there's this impersonal force that's out there that's holding all things together, that all things come out of. And, and if my life is aligned well with this universal force, like things will go good with my life. And, and if my life somehow is out of alignment with this force, this spirit, 
this creative governing force of the universe, then, I'm, then my life's going to be bad. And actually, all religion found, finds its basis on trying to help people align with this force. So uh, if, there's an, if there's an overall governing force of the universe, and we want to live our lives aligned to it, right? Um, nobody, whoever was reading kind of this in, in the age that it was written, everybody would say, yeah, for sure. That's exactly right. In the beginning was the word. Yeah, in the beginning was there's this impersonal, dynamic, creative force that governs the universe. Everybody would go, yep, yep, that's true. Yep, that's true. And then there's this record-scratching moment. Have you ever been in a conversation at the right, at, or just at, maybe at the wrong time? Everybody else is silent, and you say something out loud, and everybody in the room goes, what did you just say? I was... <laughs> I was at a Tokyo Joe's, and I did student ministry for a while and meeting with an ex-student. And her, her sister, who was four or five years younger than her, had just gotten engaged, and, and uh, this, this older girl wasn't even, hadn't, uh, wasn't dating anybody yet. And so she was processing a lot of, like, how, do I, how am I happy for my sister and lamenting for my life? And, and so we're talking about that, lots of tears. And she slaps the table, and she says, and my sister's going to have sex before me. Right in that moment, everybody stops talking in, in Tokyo Joe's, and everybody's like, Zhip. We kind of slinked under the table, out of the thing. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of that moment, that, that moment where everybody's like, what did you just say? When, when John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, all those things, and he says, and the Word, this logos, became flesh. It's this, it's this, jaw-dropping moment, this record-scratching moment, this wait. What did you say? Be, because the Logos isn't, is no longer this impersonal force that we have to try and figure out how to connect with. The Logos is no longer just a philosophical position that to be debated, but, but a person who could be known. That was different. John is saying, hey, uh, here's, here's something that we've longed for all of humanity, and it's, it's come. And I really believe that we understand in the, in, our, in the deepest part of our hearts that we were made to live in connection with God as, as humans. And I think it's, it's interesting. Plato says this about this very thing. He says this, unless a God-man comes to us and reveals to us the supreme being, there's no hope or help. And then Socrates says this, Socrates, actually, but little joke there. Um, oh, that someone would arise, man or God, and show us God. Like, there, there's this longing for people as they understand there's, there is something out there, and, and maybe I just can't know it. What if I could know it? And John's like, hey, actually, you can. This, this is our, I love, I love Christmas, and I love nativity scenes so much that, drives my wife crazy. We have a bunch. And every year I try and leave one more out somewhere. I'm like, oh, sorry, I forgot to put that back in the Christmas stuff. So we have a bunch of nativities still in our house. I have a bunch of them in my office. And um, this, is the, this is our everyday little, little nativity that lives underneath our tree. And we have some small kids that are at our house at times. Mary is gone. I'm not sure where Mary's at. She's, she's fled the scene. Um, Hank and Trash Truck are here, uh, I think, playing the role of the shepherds. Um, the manger's gone. We have this little Tupperware thing, though, that we use to hold baby Jesus in. 
And there used to be straw in there to keep him, you know, nice and comfy, but our granddaughter ate the straw. So, um, <laughs> but here's what God's, here, here's what, what John is saying. This, this baby in the manger, this, this son of Mary, is none other than the creator of the universe. That, that the, the God that created the sun and the moon and the stars. It says in Philippians that he considered equality of God not something to be held on to tightly, but he made himself nothing. That he, he became a baby in a manger. Had to have his diaper changed. God loves us so much he becomes us, is what John is saying. And it's, it's so significant. Since, since he became us, he knows us. He knows what you're going through. <laughs> the God who created cold knows what it, what it feels like to be cold. He knows what it's like to be broke and broken. He knows what it's like to be betrayed, to be ostracized. He knows what it feels like to be alone. I could talk a lot for that, but I, my time is running out. So the word becomes flesh and made his dwelling among us, it says. So this infinite, unknowable force of creation in the universe makes himself known and dwells among us. That word is, is tabernacles. He, he, he pitched his tent in the middle of our campsite. And you can, you can take that a couple ways because, you know, there's times that I filled in this idea of, of Jesus is with the policeman or, or maybe even in this, con in this context like, like um, ranger. If a, if a ranger all of a sudden rolled into your campsite and pitched his tent right there, you'd go, oh, crap, right? Now I have to make sure that every piece of trash is picked up, that my fire is drowned, you know, a thousand times, that, uh, that I follow all these rules because this guy is here. But that's not, the, that's not the Jesus that John's describing to us. The Jesus that John's describing to us is a friend and a brother. When he dwells among us, it means that he's with us. He's for us. I love Eugene Peterson's uh, version of the message version of this verse. It says this, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Not, with an, not as an OCD neighborhood association president who's just like, you know, out there with a measuring stick. How long is this weed in your front yard? And, and is your house the right color? Writing passive aggressive notes and putting them on our doors. But as a, as a neighbor who's for us and loves us. And then he says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Now, every time I've, every time I've read that, I, I, I think back to this time, this event that happened in the life of Jesus, where Jesus took a couple of his good friends up to the top of this mountain, and the, the, the technical term is transfigured, that, that he revealed his full godness to them. So it's just picture like Jesus lit up like a light bulb. Like there was, there's holiness and light and bright and smoke, all these kinds of things. And, 
And every time I've read that, that verse, I've thought about that, that, that John saying, oh, no, we've seen his glory. We've seen him, Jesus, God with no filter. We've seen that. And I, I think that might be part of what John's saying, but I also think John saw this other part of the glory of God, this, this picture of God with no filter. I think John beheld the glory of God when he watched Jesus have a conversation with this woman, and it was culturally and religiously so inappropriate. But it gave value to this woman like she'd never felt before. I think John saw the glory of God when he watched in amazement as, John, as, as Jesus walked over and these people with his contagious skin disease leprosy, he walked over and he didn't just heal them from afar, but he touched them. See, the, the way the world works, if something clean touches something dirty, what's clean becomes dirty, but in, in Jesus, when something clean touches something dirty, what was dirty becomes clean. John saw the glory of God. He saw who God was with no filter as Jesus cried with some sisters who had lost their beloved brother to death. And he saw it when, when the King of kings and the Lord of lords laid his crown down and allowed himself to be arrested and crucified on a tree that he created with nails that came from the iron that he created by a person who he created and loves. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, sent from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's what John saw in Jesus. So here's this complicated way to put it, that Jesus is the dynamic, creative, governing force of the universe that loves us so much he became a man so we could know him and he's near us. And what that means for us is that we could just simply live like Jesus is powerful and personal and present. And, and one last, last thing that that means for us as a church, as, as the, the church that, that bears his hands and feet, that, that exists to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? That Jesus is present with us and he's present to the world through us. There's people in your life, if they are writing the story of Jesus, you would, you would be maybe one of the main characters. You, they would say, hey, we, we beheld his glory we saw the glorious forgiveness of God in the way that that person forgave. And we see the incredible unselfishness in the way that that person forgave, and we see the incredible love of God through that way that that person loves. You know, we're, that's what we're called and invited to live in, to be a part of those stories. As, as a church as individuals as we scatter, and then also as, as a body, as a family, when we gather to this neighborhood. So let's just do that. Let's uh, bow your heads and we can pray. God, thanks 
for not hiding who you are. Thanks that we're, we're not outsiders that are just trying to figure out how do we align our, ourselves with the way that we were created to live and how do we align ourselves with this, this impersonal cosmic force that our lives would, would be fulfilled. But you broke that barrier and became a man to show us who God is. Thanks that, that you didn't do that from afar, but you moved into our neighborhood that you pitched your t- campsite as a friend and an advocate, as a loving father. God, I ask that you would break away and just wash away any false terms that we've placed in there, that we have placed in that definition of who you are and that we would be open to you teaching us who you are. Help us to live today, this week, and the rest of our lives out of the understanding that you are powerful, that you are personal, and that you're present. Thanks, God. Amen.